Well, every blessing to you all and welcome back to my open air pulpits. If you care to know, it's around three degrees Celsius, bit of a wind chill, so maybe one or two degrees Celsius. But uh, more importantly, I'm still working through the Old Testament, slowly but surely, and I will get there. And uh, maybe two or three days ago, I arrived at First Kings chapter 13, and I thought it'd be really good to visit the pulpit today and work through that particular chapter verse by verse one of the main themes in scripture especially the old testament is israel's continual backsliding going back into the sin of apostasy which of course is the worst sin that a professing believer can be associated with and of course the particular sin tied in with the sin of apostasy is idolatry god will put up with physical sins like fornication adultery David was condemned, yes, of course, for his relationship with Bathsheba, but ultimately for his murder, his premeditated murder of Uriah, the Hittite. But when it comes to idolatry, the worship of sticks and stones, the uh, obsession with apparitions, places like Lourdes, Medjugorje, Fatima, for example, God detests such heathenism such paganism and i thought for this morning what i would do is work through first kings chapter 13 because again it deals with the sin of apostasy and first kings chapter 13 is around 900 bc the same time as the dating for the book of psalms and please join me this coming sunday when i attempt to finish psalm 48 and it's been a wonderful blessing for me to spend 86 87 weeks where's the time gone working through the book of psalms but it's a painful issue dealing with apostasy uh, concerning those that claim to follow the lord jesus christ and the specific sin of idolatry it goes back to exodus chapter 20 and god says those that hate me worship other gods get into the sin of idolatry and the consequences will continue for three to four generations you've got to break that particular chain it goes back to a book i read years ago how to set a freemason free those that come to christ those that have come from checkered backgrounds like witchcraft freemasonry secret societies will bring a lot of baggage to the table as it were of course we're all saved the same way but for many people those that have dabbled in black magic white magic satanism that uh, issue that level of sin and the scars can last a lifetime and that's why it's imperative for former freemasons to burn all their regalia throw it all out and if you were into witchcraft burn your books it goes back to exodus chapter is it 19 they had a bonfire and all the books the occult books black magic books came to what fifty thousand pieces of silver an awful awful lot of money a fortune but anyway first kings chapter 13 deals with an event taking place in the heart of israel and of course israel is split into if you will two kingdoms the northern kingdom the southern kingdom chapter 13 look at verse 1 if you will and behold there came a man of god out of judah 
by the word of the Lord unto Bethel, house of God. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. We've got a picture here of a wicked king. And uh, Jeroboam is like Manasseh, Ahab as well. These are the days of people like uh, Elijah, Elisha. And Israel, once again, is doing what she should not do, worshipping uh, to pagan deities and Paul speaks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 how the Gentiles the heathen sacrifice to devils and for those of us which are saved we don't sacrifice to devils we sacrifice our bodies in a spiritual sense to Jehovah the one true God and behold there came a man of God that's a reoccurring uh, statement first Kings, second kings meaning a prophet a righteous man out of judah by the word of the lord he came in the power of the holy ghost and similar language to john the baptist unto bethel house of god and jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense he's got no business being at the altar he's a king he's not a priest and nor is he a levite and he cried against the altar in the word of the lord and said oh altar altar Thus saith the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, being Judah, not Israel, Josiah by name. And upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall he burn, shall be burnt upon thee. He's going to clean house, basically. Now here you got a picture of a future king. I think Josiah, from memory, was 12. 13 14 a young child no more than 18 and there's probably about four or five people in the scripture who we we are told about are going to come down the line and are given names or their names are revealed like uh, ishmael revealed to hagar of course and uh, cyrus you find that in the book of isaiah and of course here josiah spoken of first kings 13 uh, jesus Matthew chapter 1 and also Luke chapter 1 so you get these accounts in scripture of an announcement of somebody who's going to come down the line do positive work praise the Lord for that but on top of that their names are going to be revealed behold a child less than 18 as I say shall be born unto the house of David Josiah by name a type of Jesus and upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee and men's bones shall be burnt upon the prophets back in the old testament wouldn't just predict future events thus saith the lord and tell you what was going to come down the line they would also kill the enemies of the lord so if you come across people today that say uh, such and such as a prophet strictly speaking there are no prophets today there are teachers righteous teachers unrighteous teachers but prophets per se foretelling the future no not for today but even if you were to accept the false premise that there are preachers for today or prophets for today i should say if they want to be in line with the old testament prophets which they obviously do they see themselves as cut from the same cloth if you will then of course they would be expected to kill enemies of jehovah and of course they don't want to do that do they three and he gave a sign the same day saying this is a sign israel is entitled to a sign obviously 
which the Lord hath spoken, behold, the altar shall be rent, ripped, torn, and the ashes that are, that are upon it shall be poured out. You think about dust and ashes, sackcloth and ashes, a picture of remorse, a picture of repentance, going back to the people of Nineveh. When uh, Joan arrived, he said, uh, you've got, was it 40 days to clean your house up? Otherwise, judgments will fall hard. And they all start to panic. And the king says, quick, fast, put on sackcloth and ashes. They go into a fast for 40 days. Even the animals are covered up. We're living through a period right now where brothers and sisters all over the world are really suffering. And uh, what we do every Monday at our ministry and have done for the last several weeks is we fast. We fast for our families all over the world, friends and family, losing jobs, being forced further and further outside of the gates, as it were. And I've noticed over the last few weeks and months, if not 18 months or so, a lack of a call to prayer and a lack for call to fast to stand in solidarity with the church. If you think back to the 1960s, you had people like uh, Minzenti, a Catholic cardinal, locked up in, was it Budapest from memory? And he was there for a long time. He was hiding from the Russians. In fact, he would have to hide at the American embassy for 15 years. And people all over the world, ecumenical people, were meeting in solidarity for Minzenti. And here we are, decades on, another type of holocaust is gripping the world. A purging, if you will. Punishments of the righteous. And for the most part, I'm hearing nothing from people about coming together to pray and to fast for those far worse off than us. For, and it came to pass, when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold on him. He's like Henry VIII, wouldn't want to be corrected, hated any kind of rebuke. And of course, Henry VIII was a very evil man, not just the wives that he would uh, lay with and was unable to produce the seed that he really wanted. Of course, Edward would replace him for a period of time. He died very young, but uh, he was evil through and through. And it's been said that he never really stopped being a Catholic. So it's interesting because Catholics will say Henry VIII was a Protestant. Was he a Protestant? Did he really break from Rome? Some sources have suggested that on his deathbed he called for the priest. So I think he's probably always a Catholic. But he too got into the sins of the flesh and was into idolatry all of his life. Cried against Bethel put forth his hand from the altar saying lay hold on him grab that man of God shut his mouth basically he's a troublemaker he's rocking the boat he's not ecumenical I got my own priests I got my own prophets basically I got my own advisors if you will who does this guy think he is he's come from out of town he's coming to my jurisdiction to preach to me how dare he And his hand which he put forth against him dried up, so that he could not pull it in again to him. A miracle obviously has taken place to affirm this prophet is from God Almighty. He's not just breezing in. He's not just uh, speaking off his own back. He's got the authority from heaven. He's a man of God. 
which is an Old Testament term not found in the New Testament, incidentally. So, one more time. For today, there's no prophets per se. Teachers, absolutely. Ephesians chapter 4 speaks about teachers. But prophets, in the Pauline epistles, that's mentioned over in 1 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 14, the prophets would speak one by one, interpret a present, no more than three at any given time. And of course, tongues is also found in 1 Corinthians 14. Men, never women, and again, never when unsaved people are present. But a prophet like the man of God here, a prophet like Jonah, a prophet like Ezekiel, you don't find today. Teachers, yes, prophets, no, because of course the Bible is our final revelation. Five, the altar also was rent, like when Christ dies on the cross. The Holy of Holies is ripped, and the ashes poured out from the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. He's preaching, he's prophesying, and as he's preaching, as he's prophesying, miracles are taking place. The king's hand is basically frozen. On top of that, you've got the altar being rent. Judgments, of course, uh, against this apostate king. And the king answered and said unto the man of God, Entreat now the face of the Lord thy God, not our God, not my God, thy God. This king doesn't know Jehovah, of course. And pray for me, this is what Pharaoh would say to Moses, that my hand may be restored. Me again, give me use of my hand again, please. And the man of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored him again. Talk about mercy, talk about compassion. And became as it was before. This goes back to the warnings in the book of Revelation. Don't take the mark of the beast. Several times you're told not to take it. And of course, also in Revelation you're told that those that do take it were never saved to begin with. It goes back to the mercy of God. He loves your family more than you do. He wept over Jerusalem. He doesn't want anybody to perish. When he died on the cross, he would say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And God forgave those people that crucified him. So it's a paradox on our side of things, obviously. If God knows who's going to be saved and who won't be saved, if he knows those who will take the mark and those who won't, why put the warning it goes back to repentance except you repent you should all likewise perish you want to have the judgment and say to god but you didn't warn me you didn't tell me you didn't really love me and i say i loved you i warned you i told you time after time there's no other name given unto heaven among men whereby we must be saved and the king answered and said unto the man of god entreat now the face of the lord thy god and pray for me intercede for me that my hand may be restored me again. And the man of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored him again. That's a picture of grace. The king doesn't deserve it, but God, on this occasion, doesn't destroy him on the spot, and became as it was before. That should have been the turning point for this king. He's seen a miracle. He's met a real man of God. His own prophets all around him are compromises, uh, apostates, they're all rolling with the times, enjoying the good life. And this man comes out of town, a fresh face, as they say. And yet the king is really past the point of no return. He can't be redeemed. It's like the popes of Rome, they can't be redeemed. 
If you were to ask me, would I take a phone call from a world leader? Unlikely, of course. <laughs> but if I was, if you know, if I got a phone call from a world leader, would I take it? Well, of course I would. Paul spoke to world leaders. But if the Pope of Rome was to call me, I wouldn't take the call. As far as I'm concerned, he is beyond uh, the points of redemption. He's too far gone. Yes, priests get saved. Praise God for that. Bishops sometimes. Cardinals very seldom. Popes, I've never heard of such. Politicians, leaders, yes, sometimes you'll read of people getting saved, people like Haile Selassie, uh, but it's pretty rare. I mean, most political people, they live for the here and the now. They gain the whole world, but of course go on to lose their own souls. Seven, and the king said unto the man of God, come home with me and refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. This goes back to the occasion when was it Elisha's servant deals with Naaman the Syrian and uh, Elisha heals Naaman captain of the guard he says to Naaman into the water you go seven times and he does just that he gets healed another wonderful miracle and he says to Elisha can I give you a reward for what you've done for me and he says no you know I'm not here to take a reward basically but unfortunately Elisha's servant was money mad and of course money is the root of all evil and as the uh, captain Naaman is packing his bags and going back to Syria Elisha's uh, servant runs after him lies to him and of course he, he ends up receiving leprosy uh, Elisha condemns him for his greed that's probably the main reason why ministries churches all over the world are in such a pitiful state it's money it's money they don't want to lose their charitable status they don't want to lose church numbers tithes and all that stuff they preach a very broad message they don't touch the controversial subjects they don't speak about specific sins like the catholic church the whore on the seven hills the false bibles the fake bibles from corrupt greek manuscripts they won't touch these subjects they play it so carefully they're like politicians and a young Christian has got really no idea whether he or she is coming or going and that's why it's so imperative if you are saved to read the scriptures and follow the principles set in both testaments come home with me and refresh thyself and I will give thee a reward it was custom in oriental times to reward a good deed obviously sometimes a good deed is well received but not always yesterday i went shopping and there was an elderly lady in the queue ahead of me and uh, she was sorting her shopping out she dropped all her cards on the floor driving license bus pass library card and she looked at me as if to say would you please help me out and i thought to myself she's around probably 80 so <laughs> i got on my hands and knees and uh, I, I scooped up all of her cards and I handed them over to her. Oh, thank you so much, she said. You're very kind. I mean, what else could you do? What else could you do? And I said to myself, no, I'll do it anyway. She's an old woman. You know, you, you are to respect your elders after all. And uh, she starts to attempt to buy her shopping. And she puts her card into the machine and it's rejected. And a second time, <coughs> it's rejected. And a third time, it is rejected. And I leaned over to the cashier and I said, uh, what does her shopping cost? And she said, £12.48 or thereabouts. I said, I'll pay for it. Oh, no, she said, no, I don't want your uh, kind offer. 
bit of a slap in the face, I must admit. And I said, okay, you know, fair enough, I'm happy to help. You know, I'm in the queue. Uh, you're obviously struggling. Your card is being declined, who knows why. And she wouldn't take the offer from me. And uh, she reached into her purse and she pulled out 15 pounds and gave it to the cashier. Thanked me again as she was leaving the supermarket. But I thought to myself this, I thought, that's a picture <coughs> of an unsaved person rejecting the grace of God. Oh, no, no. Thank you, Jesus. But I got my church to fall back on. We have a wonderful pastor. We have a wonderful vicar. We got a wonderful church. You know, my church will take care of me. We do the novenas. We do the rosary. Or we go to the rotary club. You see my point, don't you? It's a pushback. It's pride. She felt I was insulting her and I wasn't, of course, just offering an elderly lady a helping hand only to be put in my place. I thought, fair enough. And I, you know, took the rebuke as it were. But more importantly, that's a picture. It is a picture of a self-righteous person not wanting the gospel of the grace of God, wanting to come to God their own way. And you can't do it, of course. Look at verse 8. And the man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. What a statement. For so was it charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again, by the same way that thou camest. Fair enough. The man of God has been told to go into Israel, warn the king of the impending judgments, proclaim Josiah's arrival, turn around and get out. Now, the king is discredited. The king is under judgment basically like donald trump discredited boris johnson discredited you get these leaders macron discredited and they pass the point of no return and they start to turn on their own people like trump now turning on his own people concerning you know what and saying you shouldn't be attacking you know what and those who are poorly at the moment with you know what it's basically your own fault. You say to yourself, why would Trump say that? Well, I'll tell you why he would say that, because he knows that to win the 2024 election, he needs to reach out to conservatives. Like Reagan would need to do back in the 1980s. He's got his hardcore supporters, although many are deserting him. He couldn't win the last election, so he needs to reach out to more people. He needs to go the middle way. And he'll set out even more He'll compromise even more. And he too is a picture of an apostate. Of course, was he ever really on the side of the people? Who knows? I've got my own thoughts about that. Boris Johnson, another one. Put in by conservative voters. And yet he's pushing hard for woke policies. Green policies. This and that, which his people, his voters, didn't vote him in to do. You see my point, of course. It was charged me by the word of the Lord inspiration saying eat no bread nor drink water don't sit at the king's table nor turn again by the same way that thou camest in other words the way you came in go out another way it's like the wise men they came in one way found the newborn king of course he's a toddler at that point in jesus christ's life they worship him give him the gifts so on and so forth and they go out another way and herod another man under the judgments of god is infuriated he feels he's been tricked deceived not really they owed they owed him no loyalty they came from a long distance to meet the king of the jews not a puppet leader 
10, so he went another way and returned, not by the way that he came to Bethel. So like I say, he comes in one way, goes out another way. His work is done, basically. I mean, talk about a quick preach. <laughs> get in and get out. It's like Jonah. Tell them to repent. 40 days, 40 nights. If you repent, you'll all be saved. If not, you'll all be destroyed. It's less than a minute, really, just to say such a message like the man of God. And he follows the Lord. Doesn't waste five minutes with the king picturing a discredited uh, secular leader but it gets more tricky for him look at verse 11 now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel the words which he had spoken unto the king then they also then they told also to their father so words got around pretty quickly uh, it's like when the wise men arrived with an armed guard or probably several hundred camels uh, an advanced guard you know what a sight to behold and that went straight to the palace and of course Herod starts to quake in his boots he gets the priests in who haven't been used by God in probably 30 or 40 years he consults the priests the prophets they say yes your majesty Micah 5 2 speaks about the coming king of course they call him a governor not a ruler they demote him which is what apostates do they demote jesus christ they say he's a good man he's a prophet but they very rarely elevate him i saw a documentary a few weeks ago didn't watch all of it about martin luther king another apostate rejected the deity of christ rejected the authenticity of scripture uh made the argument that christ uh thought he may have been deity allow the people to think he was deity but never claimed to be deity and uh, statement after statement came out of Luther King's mouth of course it's not Martin it's Michael Luther King you understand that of course he changed his name to fit in with the German uh, reformer Martin Luther and of course his career was drying up basically the money wasn't coming in as it once had done and of course the civil rights movement came along and uh, he was able to jump on the bandwagon and uh make a name for himself now there dwelt an old prophet here's a picture of a man an old prophet who's out of fellowship with the lord perhaps was once used but uh fell foul of the lord and did his own thing and i guess it's like when billy graham was at his peak and he would travel around the world and he go to churches and towns and cities and they all turn out to see him and uh, retired preachers who hadn't preached on the streets for 30 years of ever hadn't given that a tract in 40 years of ever would go and see Billy Graham listen to the preacher from South Carolina they wanted to be identified with the next uh, best thing as it were and of course people would go and visit Graham and he was very popular for many decades and uh, he had a level of integrity but of course he was an apostate he was a wolf in sheep's clothing And his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. Word has spread quickly, obviously. The words which he had spoken unto the king, them they also told to their father. This old prophet is also like Lot, a backslider, living in Sodom and Gomorrah. And of course the story of Lot is a tragic story of a righteous man, a saved man, incidentally. The two natures of the believer, Romans chapter 7. And he's living in Sodom and Gomorrah, he's got people all around him doing their own thing, won't preach against it, he wants to fit in, 
basically with the clique, with a local clientele, and of course God sends an outside force in to deal with the situation at hand, like he's doing here in First Kings. Sometimes it's easier to send an outside force in to deal with the situation at hand, of course, because of course once the compromise sets in, it's very difficult to reverse it. It's possible this old prophet, long out of fellowship with the Lord, like I say, is tied in with Bethel, the house of God. Of course, he got into uh, apostasy, and it's possible that his sons are priests tied in with this false set or this false sense of uh, worship. Look at 12. And their father said unto them, What way went he? He wants to meet this chap. He wants to shake his hand. He wants a piece of the action, you see. For his sons had seen what way the man of God went, which came from Judea. So he lives local, this old prophet. I guess it's like living in Las Vegas, and you don't preach against the casinos. They ruin people's lives, gambles, uh, gambling, uh, vice, this or that. And the churches don't want to rock the boat, basically. So for this guy to arrive out of nowhere, this man of God, we're not told how old he is, we're not told what his name was, we're not told anything about the man, it's not important. But the old prophet, the old apostate, wants a piece of the action, basically. He wants to come up close and meet the man for himself. It's like when Billy Graham would go to town, like I say, all the apostate churches would get together, let's meet Billy Graham or Greg Laurie for the day, I suppose, uh, puts on a huge show in California and they all turn out to see him it's basically retreads I mean these revivals are actually uh, put on for mostly those who are already saved to rededicate their lives to the Lord they're not there to reach out to lost people and that's why a lot of people who go to the Billy Graham crusades over the years or uh, people like Greg Life for the day are already saved for the most part but they are retreads and he said unto his sons, 13, saddle me the ass. So they saddled him the ass, and he rode thereon. Now, he, this old boy should have done what this prophet has done. But oh no, I don't want to rock the boat. Like I say, he wants to keep him with the king, basically. But he wants to now run after the man of God and get close to him. He's a uh, people pleaser, basically. I went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said unto him, Art thou the man of God that camest from Judah? And he said, I am. So far, so good. God said, get in, get out. But of course, the compromise is now starting to set in. Then he said unto him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee. Neither will I eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place. This place is toxic. Basically, Sodom and Gomorrah, Genesis 19, uh, Las Vegas 2022, uh, Soho 2022. This place is toxic, basically. I mean, how can you live in such a place? That's what he's really thinking, this man of God. His mandate was very simple, get in and get out, basically. All those that are living in and around Bethel are apostates, cozying up to the high places, sacrificing to devils, going back to 1 Corinthians Eight. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, Thou shalt eat no bread nor drink water there, even the entire location 
is out of bounds, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. This goes back to Mark, make that Matthew 10 and uh, Luke 10. Jesus says to the apostles, you go into such and such an area, heal the sick, raise the dead, give sight to the blind, so on and so forth. If the son of peace is there, stay put. If not, get out. Uh, take no staff, no coat, no money. Another problem with today's church is it's money, money, money. And they go in, they do their stuff, and they get out. They don't hang around. 18. He said unto him, I am a prophet also, as thou art, in the present tense. And an angel spake unto me, by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with me into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. It's quite possible, like I say, that this man's sons were part of this uh, false pagan setup. But he's lying. An angel spoke to me. That's what Muhammad would say. The angel Gabriel appeared to me. 600 foot wings. Joseph Smith, the angel Moroni, appear, appeared to me. Same sort of a thing. Go to Second John. Idolatry is the most serious sin in scripture. Like I've already said, David's sin with Bathsheba could have been dealt with uh, through prayer and uh, repentance, obviously. All sexual sins are fleshly sins, but idolatry is somewhat different. And that's why you don't, you don't find revivals in Catholic countries and also Catholic countries use corrupt Bibles from corrupt Greek manuscripts. The second sin is a sin of liberalism, which isn't really preached against so much anymore. Uh, Second John speaks about this particular issue. And in Second John, uh, pick it up in verse, let's see now, seven. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. God manifests in the flesh those that deny the deity of Christ, going back to Martin Luther King, lying, blaspheming, saying that Jesus Christ was a good man, but he wasn't the Son of God. He wasn't the only begotten Son of God. And of course, by saying that, he cuts his throat in a spiritual sense, leads an entire group of people into the abyss. I mean, if Christ isn't God Almighty, how can he help anybody? I mean, he was just an ordinary man. What's the point of him dying? Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Let the helicopter fly over me. A full reward. Context, judgment seat of Christ. Can we receive rewards? Can we forfeit rewards? Absolutely. Paul says it's a terror of the Lord, how we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Look at verse 9. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, the teaching of Christ, hath not God. 
He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. Another imperative relationship to get down. Christ, Son of the Father, God's only begotten Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house. Like the JWs, like the Mormons, but also people like Martin Luther King, all of your Jason scholars, an apostate group of German scholars, Westcott and Hortz, that sort of a thing. Neither bid him Godspeed, like God go with you, God bless you, that sort of a thing. For he that biddeth him, Godspeed as partaker of his evil deeds. Go back to second, make that first Kings. First Kings 13. So let's just back up and uh, just regather our thoughts. There's a king in Israel, a bad king, one of many, of course. It starts off all very well with uh, David, and he's a man after God's own heart. He dies, of course, his son Solomon replaces him. Not a great king, not a bad king, but not as bad as some of the kings that would come down the line. And here we are, about 900 BC, after the death, or around the time of Solomon, and you got two kings ruling side by side. In fact, Solomon has died by now. His son has replaced him. Not a good king. And he's getting involved with idolatry. Uh, the old tarot cards. The old uh, Ouija board. Uh, stuff like that. Uh, clairvoyance. Uh, the tea leaves. That sort of a thing. And uh, God hates that type of a thing. Because of course it will involve unclean spirits who will latch on to ignorant people and uh, if you're not careful such spirits will then latch on to children and you find several children in the gospels uh, who are devil possessed of course bring them back with thee into thine house verse 18 that he may eat bread and drink water but he lied unto him. So, it's bad enough this prophet is living in an, in an area which is out of bounds, earmarked for destruction. That's the first negative, the first red flag. The second problem is, is that he hasn't preached against the sin all around him, like churches today are keeping their mouths shut about you-know-what, are saying nothing about you-know-what, sitting on their hands about you-know-what, while their parishioners are paying the consequences for you know what and again it's the same sort of a thing and this man of God is polite doesn't want to be too abrasive uh, perhaps thinks somewhat respectfully towards his old prophet but this old prophet hasn't been used by Jehovah for many many years he's a bit like Balaam of course so he went back with him and did eat bread in his house and drank water. The mention of an angel speaking to this elderly prophet, the offer of bread and water has really whet his appetite, as it were. And because every man at his best ate is altogether vanity, he has succumbed. He's compromised. It's like all these people on TBN, Word of Faith Movement, Prosperity Gospel, uh, hanging around with questionable uh, politicians. They've all sold out, basically. 
it's not just the Catholic Church that sold out Christ many years ago, it's most of Protestantism. I was left a comment on Facebook maybe week before last. Somebody said, uh, why are you always attacking Calvinism? Which I'm not, incidentally. <laughs> or the Charismatics, which I'm not, incidentally. Why not just focus on Catholicism? Which I do, obviously. If something's wrong, you can't go after one area that's wrong and ignore the other. You deal with both at the same time, right? I mean, if two wrongs, uh, if two if two things are wrong, I mean, two wrongs don't make a right. If two churches are wrong, Calvinists, Catholics, Charismatics, the cults, take them all on. I mean, at least be consistent, right? But for many years, nobody wanted to go after Billy Graham. For years, most Baptist preachers didn't want to touch Billy Graham. I mean, wouldn't speak out against him publicly. They wanted to be close to the action. They thought, maybe one day Billy may give me a call, phone me up, and say, hey, I'm off to such and such a country. Will you come with me? That's what it was all about, you see. And these preachers preaching in middle America or parts of the UK would have loved to have been traveling around the world with Billy Graham, meeting kings, queens, presidents, premiers, Greg Laurie, not quite the same, Franklin Graham, not quite the same, but they still have contact with the White House. They still wine and dine with the powers that be. You understand, of course, go back to Second John. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. It's possible for a Christian saved, born again, to apostatize, hang around with apostates, liberals, use new Bibles, never get out of that situation and arrive at the judgment seat almost barren. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, but like the old prophet in First Kings, receive him not into your house. Don't even open the door. Don't even open the door to him. Neither bid him Godspeed. Don't even shake his hand. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. Go to Second Corinthians. Many years ago, we had an event in our town. And uh, I've discussed this over the years, I know. It was uh, a witch fest event. And I uh, hadn't been saved very long. I'd just come back from an outreach to Poland. Great outreach. Very humbling, meeting poor people and getting to realize what it's like to preach to saved people and also unsaved people. Met an American couple, wonderful couple, both with the Lord now. Got back to the UK and there was an event in our town, a witch fest event. Thousands of witches came from all over Europe. Biggest in Europe, apparently. And I was very green at the time, very naive, wet behind the ears, as they say. And uh, I said to Patrick, let's try and contact the churches. 
in our area, apart from the church we just came out of, the Catholic Church, obviously. <laughs> and I phoned up, emailed, contacted all the local churches, some even further afield. And I said, uh, will you come and stand with us this coming weekend or weekend after next, whenever it was. It was November time, it was winter time. I remember that. Not one church turned up. And on top of that, I reached out to MacArthur's man in uh, Kent. And I said to him, uh, will you come down and stand with us? We've got these witches, young people. They're going to come to our town, blaspheme in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, bring unclean spirits with them. We stand with Patrick and I and an elderly sister. Nobody turned up. Not one. They'd all decided to do their own thing, basically. They sat on the fence then. And they're doing it right now concerning you know what. 2 Corinthians 2. Look at 17. For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. Go to Galatians. And I thought at that time, I thought, well, okay, we're on our own, fair enough. We can't rely on local churches. We can't even rely, we can't even rely on MacArthur's ministry. Grace to you. And up until then, I've been on their mailing list, receiving books, DVDs from them, or CDs, I should say, books. And I bought uh, MacArthur's reference Bible. So green. But of course, when you're first saved, you are very naive about these things, obviously. It goes back to an unofficial code. The Brotherhood Code. Not the Masonic term, but in the sense of organised religion. I guess for many a decade, if you lived in America or in the, US, in the UK or in the US, you wouldn't criticise people like Billy Graham or uh, some of these uh, non-KJV colleges which attack the KJV. You wouldn't speak out against such people. There's this unofficial code. And for decades, you wouldn't speak out against Billy Graham, who was ecumenical, and Graham would never speak out against the popes of Rome or the use of new Bibles. And this goes back to organised religion. And that's one of the reasons why uh, MacArthur's people didn't come down and stand with us. Because, of course, we left organised religion. We came out of organised religion, not realising that there's this unofficial code which you find in Freemasonry. And that's why Freemasons never speak out against the craft, as they call it, or their codes or their rituals. And it's even rarer to find a Jesuit a former Jesuit speak out against the Jesuits and they're, uh, they're uh, blood-curdling uh, rituals and oaths, so on and so forth. Galatians 1, look at 6, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Galatia, Gentiles, saved people, which is not another, but there'll be some that trouble you. There's your false teachers again, like the old prophet. And will pervert the gospel of Christ. Pervert, perverted the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that, which we have, which we have preached unto you, let them be accursed. It goes back to Moroni, for the Mormons, Gabriel, for the Muslims. As we said before, we, like the apostles, so say I now again, if any man preach 
any other gospel unto you than that that ye have received, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. Go back to 1 Kings 13. So you see, it's trans-testimonial, Old Testament. You don't mess around with the gospel. You follow the words of the Lord to the letter. You don't deviate from the words of the Lord. You don't compromise the words of the Lord. You don't change the words of the Lord, Revelation 22. And if you change the words of God, Revelation 22, your name, or your part, I should say, is taken out of the Lamb's Book of Life. Your part, which is almost anonymous with your name. But no time to discuss that this morning. 1 Kings 13. Uh, 1 Kings 13. 21. And he cried unto the man of God that came from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, for as much as thou, as, as, as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord, and has not kept the commandments which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but camest back and has eaten bread and drunk water in the place of the which the Lord did say to thee, Eat no bread and drink no water, don't receive him into your house, second John, don't wish him Godspeed. Thy carcass shall not come into the sepulchre of thy fathers. So pretty stern rebuke the prophet of God the man of God is sitting at the table with the old prophet perhaps son's present enjoying a nice meal he's compromised he's gone against Galatians 1 if I go back to verse 20 and it came to pass as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came unto the prophet that brought him back no doubt through the mouth of the old prophets and he cried unto the man of God that came from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, so and so forth. Jump down to 23. And it came to pass, after he had eaten bread, and after he had drunk, that he saddled for him the ass to wit, for the prophet whom he had brought back, he finishes his meal. I mean, the compromise is bad enough. As he's sitting at the table with the prophet and co, the old prophet, the old backslidden rascal, the warning comes from the Lord that basically you'll be dead before you pack up and get out of here and yet in spite of that he still finishes his meal incredible 24 and when he was gone a lion met him by the way and slew him type of the devil of course and his carcass was cast in the way his body discarded and the ass donkey stood by it the lion also stood by the carcass two wild animals in the presence of a dead body a corpse this man of god starts off so well goes into town preaches against the king a type of an apostate leader today and they're giving you a few names on the way out Another prophet meets him, meets, meets him. Hey, such and such, I'm from such and such a church. And of course, he's bowled over with it. One of the priests we knew told Patrick on more than one occasion that when he was studying to be a priest, they told him that uh, if you don't like women, you'll be happy here. And how priests are only happy with priests. 
preachers, meeting preachers, there's a bond. The unofficial code of the brotherhood, like I say. An evangelist meets another evangelist, scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, that sort of a thing. And that was a downfall of the man of God. 25. And behold, men passed by, and saw the carcass casting away. It's like a shameful death, really. And the lion standing by the carcass, and they came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. Word gets back to the old prophet. He's got some street cred, as they say. I guess it's someone like uh, David Jeremiah, perhaps, or David Hocking, elderly preacher, who once perhaps took a stand, but sold out long ago. Hal Lindsay, perhaps, someone like that. And the locals know where the old prophet lives. Happy to have such living in their town, but the town is under judgment. Lot must have been pretty well connected. And of course the angel says to Lot, get out, we're going to burn this place to the ground. They have to drag him out, along with his wife and daughters, and of course the rest you know. One of the most uh, infamous stories in scripture. Of course the amazing part of that story is that Lot was saved. Going back again to the two natures of the believer. But the old man of God has died, he's lying in the street, where gets back to the lying prophet. Uh, 26 and when the prophets that brought him back from the way heard thereof he said it is a man of God who was disobedient unto the word of the Lord what a hypocrite therefore the Lord hath delivered him unto the line which hath torn him and slain him according to the word of the Lord which he spake unto him well, absolutely but it's your fault old timer for causing the man of God to lose his life. But of course it was a man of God's responsibility not to listen to the old prophet. It goes back to free will. It goes back to Adam Eve. All these trees you can eat, but not that one over there. And of course the old snake comes along, angel of light. The old liar deceives Eve, she deceives Adam. The woman being in, uh, being in transgression, not the man. First Timothy uh, chapter 2. And of course they both fall into sin. And of course subsequent uh, death, of course. 27. And he spake to his sons, saying, Saddle me the ass. And they saddled him. Now, there's two ways to look at this. The old prophet may feel uh, remorse for what he's done. He has caused this man of God to lose his life. Going back to preaching another gospel, Galatians chapter 1, can result in people perishing. I mean, if you, if you trust the false gospel, a false gospel, if you trust another gospel, and never shift from it, you're lost. You're still lost. And that's why we at our ministry do what we can, not just online, but on the streets as well. You know, we speak to people on the streets every weekend. And we plead with people to receive Christ, the finished work of Christ, to get out of organized religion. But for so many people, they just cannot make the break. 28, and he went and found his carcass cast in the way, and the ass and the lion, and the, and the ass and the lion standing by the carcass. The lion had not eaten the carcass, nor torn the ass. You got two wild animals, both on a leash, as it were, 
and of course God is controlling the leash, you understand. A dead body, which normally would be eaten by wild animals, but the body has been preserved. Now there's two ways to look at that also. It could be that the man of God, although he's died due to disobedience, rebellion, his body hasn't been uh, torn to pieces like when Christ died on the cross. Not one bone was broken and it could be possibly that the man of God was saved but would arrive at the judgment again second John uh, and not receive a full reward no matter how many years I spend looking at salvation the atonement it's, it's always a mystery really why God bothers with us why he gives us so much slack why he overlooks our transgressions and how uh, either way he's going to get all the glory anyway whether we get five crowns four crowns three crowns two crowns one crown or no crowns it's all good but ultimately you want to get to the judgment seat and get a full reward of course but the animals are obeying the Lord basically they are told what to do leave him alone he's my property a picture of uh, the judgment when Satan is present and there's a dispute taking place which you find in Zechariah I think it's Zechariah chapter 3 for memory and of course Christ steps forward and speaks up for uh, his man if you will which is also found in 1st John chapter 2 Christ being an advocate uh, for the guilty you understand of course so the man of God may have been saved <coughs> body couldn't be touched picture of the soul not being uh, touched only God can destroy the soul Satan can destroy body and uh, a person's reputation but the soul can't be touched because of course the soul was purchased by Christ of course 29 and the prophet took up the carcass of the man of God and laid it upon the ass and brought it back and the old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him it's a picture of uh, Joseph of, of uh, Arimathea in a sense of course he was a righteous man as was uh, Nicodemus and they go to Pilate picture of uh, this backslidden king and say to Pilate give us a body of Jesus and of course he's buried in Joseph's tomb again so many types and shadows in scripture but here the old prophet is mourning he wants to bury him which is what you do with righteous people or people in general I know sometimes cremation is what is necessary but if possible you should always attempt to bury your dead and he laid his carcass in his own grave again Joseph and Jesus and they mourned over him saying alas my brother so again it goes back to the complexity of people he's lied to him he wants to get close to this man of God he wants to suck up to him basically like many would do to Billy Graham over the years and Greg Laurie today perhaps his sons were, uh, were tied in with this uh, apostate uh, altar worshipping to demons and devils perhaps the old prophet himself would do it part-time but either way he's lied to the man of God and the man of God has paid with his life <coughs> for listening to this false prophet for today false teacher and he laid his carcass in his own grave and they him and his sons mourned over him saying alas my brother 
we're cut from the same cloth, we're both preachers, going back to the unofficial brotherhood code, you don't criticise me, <coughs> and I won't criticise you, that's why it's almost unheard of to hear famous people today in the body of Christ calling out famous people, and all the famous people, all of them, have all compromised in one way or another, but they won't speak out against their peers for fear of financial ruin. You understand. And it came to pass, 31, after he had buried him, that he spake to his son, saying, When I am dead, then bury me in the sepulchre, wherein the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones, for the saying which he cried by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel, and against all the houses of the high places which are in the cities of Samaria shall shortly come to pass. That much is absolutely correct. And later on it does come to pass. <coughs> so you see, even a lost man can see uh, areas of truth, receives the revelation of God. A man who is saved, but is backslidden, knows that the word of the Lord is going to come through anyway. <coughs> but this particular prophet is incredible, really. Just incredible. Was he saved? Could he be saved? Yes, possibly. I always say this, that if a, per if a person is living and breathing, he can still be saved. And if he was once saved, he's always saved, obviously. And uh, if he's out of fellowship, get back to fellowship with the Lord, of course. 33. After this thing, Jeroboam returned not from his evil way. Again, he's past the points of no return. You don't mess around with particular people, <coughs> like the Pope of Rome. He won't listen to you. He won't stop worshipping Mary, allowing people to call him Holy Father, or politicians who have sold out for the world, the flesh and the devil. They're not going to listen to a preacher telling him or her to repent and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. They won't do it, of course. Jeroboam returned not from his evil way, but made again of the lowest of the people, priests of the high places, not just uh, those outside of the Levitical system, but anyone and anyone. I mean, just reprobates, uh, prostitutes, thieves, and what have you, raised up to be priests. For the Old Testament, a priest would offer a literal sacrifice on behalf of the people. And uh, Hosea and uh, Malachi are scathing against Jews who would bring deficient, uh, inadequate, uh, unclean, unworthy animals to the altar of the Lord. And God is absolutely scathing. goes back to Cain and Abel. One sacrifice was sufficient, the others was not. Again, 33. After this thing, Jeroboam returned not from his evil way, doesn't even care, but made again of the lowest of the people priests of the high places. Even people like uh, Samuel and uh, other leaders, Solomon, would use high places as areas of worship. Again, the location isn't the issue, it's, it's what would take place at the, at the locations, which was the problem, of course. Whosoever would he consecrated him and he became one of the priests of the high places it goes back to elijah 
lining up all the Baalites and he says to them uh, if your God is God let it be and if my God is God let it be and of course they have a standoff and they get this altar and they pour it with water and from morning till noon the Baalites picture of the Catholic Church down the line of course are whipping themselves cutting themselves screaming for Baal to wake up and uh, shut Elijah's mouth and of course it doesn't happen and fire comes down from heaven consumes the uh, sacrifice that Elijah has offered and of course the Baalites are rounded up uh, on the orders of Elijah going back to priests and prophets but prophets specifically not just preaching about the future but executing enemies of the Lord and all these Baalites are rounded up put to death and of course Ahab is terrified Jezebel is furious and soon after that Elijah runs away from Jezebel and he says let me just die a bit like uh, Jonah so defeatist it goes back to when you have a good victory uh, there's a bit of time where you uh, bask in the victory maybe you led someone to the Lord maybe you helped somebody maybe you did something good for somebody and then afterwards there's a decline there's an attack of some sorts and uh, an angel was sent to uh, uh, Elijah to restore him and of course you know the rest 34 and this thing became sin under the house of Jeroboam even to cut it off and to destroy it from off the face of the earth so his days were numbered obviously he was po he was past the point of no return like King Herod <coughs> and all of his sons uh, bad blood as was the term some people cannot be reached which is sad but it's true uh, of course we don't know who can or who cannot be saved or reached for the Lord so we preach the gospel to everybody but at the same time Matthew 10 Luke uh, 10 we don't get our feet dirty we don't hang around with questionable people who won't receive the truth we give them the benefit of the doubt to start with but afterwards we get out the man of God gave the old prophet the benefit of the doubts and he paid with his life going back to Galatians 1 if we preach any other gospel unto you or an angel preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have received let them be accursed let them be damned basically we're not of those that corrupt the word of God but as of sincerity so on and so forth we establish the word of God in Revelation 22 we don't change the word of God we leave it as it is but nearly every major preacher today nearly every major seminary today nearly every major church and ministry today have sold out and they still won't speak out against you know what and people all over the world are suffering in so many different ways and it's heartbreaking really to see so many people suffering and so few household name preachers who could do so much and to hear Donald Trump basically just dismissing discarding rejecting his support base because of course he no longer needs such people he needs conservative Democrats those that have gone along with you know what and done what you know what and he needs those people to vote for him in two years time and Boris has turned his back on those that, that voted for him back in 2019 and he's going after the woke brigade 
these are all lost politicians obviously we know that this king was lost without a doubt the man of god was he saved possibly i would like to say was the old prophet saved possibly but i wouldn't like to say but they went against god if i go quickly to exodus they got into the sin of compromise which is a huge problem and we all compromise i know i've compromised over the years but uh, there has to be a, a red line that we can never cross and that uh, red line will be the sin of uh, idolatry exodus 23 thou shalt have no other gods before me thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image of any likeness of anything that is in heaven above going back to the high places shrines groves apparitions that sort of a thing or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them for i the lord thy god am a jealous god visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and show mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments that's a timeless passage as far as i'm concerned the man of god should have just got in and got out but he compromised went the way of uh, balaam the way of cain paid with his life goes down in scripture as a compromiser and is buried today and we'll find out when we hit the judgment seat whether or not he was saved and the old prophet like so many today doesn't want to come across as being critical uh too uh divisive wants to just roll along with the world like churches all over the world today are rolling along with you know what and benefiting very handsomely from you know what and their own people are just being left to struggle and be discarded by the wayside so every monday we fast and if you want us to fast for you we will do drop us a line and uh, we'll pray for you we'll even name you as we pray and fast for you we may start doing it twice a week as we go further into this year uh, i'm also working on an, uh, i'm working on a new project at the moment which is a controversial one which i may discuss next time and i'm praying for that as well and fasting as well it's a controversial one like i say but concerning you know what which is a major catastrophe affecting all of us all over the world that's the main concern we have and uh we will make it a weekly uh priority to pray for for our family and friends all over the world and uh, drop us your details and we'll pray for you as well and hopefully our small uh, intercession will make some difference and the lord will look favorably on those that we are interceding for i think in the kjv community online only a tiny minority have stood up and spoken out against you know what the rest have been absolute cowards sat on the fence said nothing done nothing and they too based on second john will pay a huge price at the judgment seat if they're saved or the great white throne if they are not it's a beautiful day the sun's coming out it's cold but it's a beautiful day for mid-january and uh 
if you want a blessing join us sunday when we finish psalm uh, 48 and then next sunday god willing start psalm 49 and uh, on that statement i will sign it now and wish you all peace and blessings in the wonderful name of the lord jesus christ amen and amen